0: Hi, welcome to episode 2 in Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So today what we will be talking about specifically is the older gods uh, preceding Zeus' rise to supremacy, but specifically because there's a lot of content we need to cover, I'll be breaking this up into multiple parts, so we'll consider this part one. So let's just kind of dive right into things, and let's talk about these two gods we're going to focus on today. The first one is Chaos. Chaos is thought to be of infinite space, is the concept. Apparently a he. I thought Chaos was a she. Apparently not. I really can't follow how Chaos, like Suasponte, produced two children. Either way, that's just a thing. So, Chaos produces Nukes, or Nyx, and Erebus. So, Nukes, slash Nyx, is a uh, knight. So, it is like what time I'm recording this at. It's like 10.57pm. That is what night is. Erebus is darkness. This is a little more nuanced. So Erebus is not necessarily the darkness that you see outside at night. It is more so the darkness within Tartarus, who will be the other god we're covering today. So darkness is more of like, I guess just that like lack of light in empty void that is, uh, makes up Tartarus. Although it is like, A bit weirder and harder to explain. Uh, I'll talk about it more when we get to Tartarus. Maybe it'll help there. But yeah, that's just a thing to keep in mind. So Nix slash Nukes on our own produces a ton of children. Like way too many children. Um, And I don't find it useful to just list every single one. Um, That's just like a time waster. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a Google Doc... And it will have this, like, extra information if you want to see the entire list of kids. Um, But we're going to talk about a special few that I think are really important. And then we're just going to move on as if nothing happened. But again, I'll set up a Google Doc and I'll type all the stuff out from the books. So on her own, she produces Eris. Eris is considered the goddess of strife. Um, This makes sense if you know the whole Trojan War apple incident, as Eris is the one who actually throws that apple that says, like, who's the fairest? of like who's the first among them all pretty much and Aphrodite uh, Athena and Hera are all like oh it's me it's me it's me Um, she also has a bunch of kids just like her mom does but they're really obscure they're not really worth mentioning Um, I'll list it again in the same Google Doc I just talked about the only like one of some note is like Lethe which is like the embodiment of like memory and forgetfulness Um, but yeah, like, even that isn't really super notable. I mean, it's also, like, the name of a river and whether they're the same, like, entity uh, depends on, like, your version, but we'll just ignore Eris' children. I'll put up a document if you want. Um, so yeah. So then, Nukes has Moros. Doom, that's just something I've seen come up before, but again, kind of, like, pretty obscure. Doesn't really show up in most places. Thanatos, um, the embodiment of death? So... This is a good distinction to understand very early on. So, if you've like, if you know any Greek mythology, you know Hades is like the king of the underworld. So, he's the king of the dead. Not death, but the dead. So, Thanatos is the embodiment of death. So, in one story that I'm sure we'll talk about later, uh, sisyphus binds thanatos so he can escape the underworld because logically speaking if death is bound death cannot keep you in the underworld so it's like okay i can leave but uh yeah so that's just but beyond that like that is what death's realm is uh but not really like king of the death that is hades's so then you have hypnos or hypnos um the embodiment of sleep the roman name is somnus um, more of an abstraction than like a physical god. Until you like the Iliad and Aeneid. Um, there, there's a scene where Hypnos or Hypnos or Hypnos and Thanatos carry off, uh, Sarpedon, and then in the Aeneid, um, Somnus, just like there's a whole discussion between him and uh, Juno. We'll talk about it later. But just know, more of an abstraction than like a real physical. Uh, deity, as we see with many others, the Oinoroi or Onoroi uh, are like dreams, so they're like the children who uh, embody certain aspects of dreams. and We'll talk about them more in the Metamorphoses episode. And we have Nemesis. Nemesis is like the embodiment of revenge. Um, she's also called Ramnusia sometimes. So. Her, like, main stories, um, there's the Narcissus story, which we'll talk about again in the Metamorphoses episode, because that is where the story comes from, um, or at least one of the versions of the story, but the other story she's, like, known for, and, you know, it's kind of like, who knows how much this is something to keep in mind, is that one time, I guess, Zeus was chasing her, because Zeus just rapes women constantly. And she turned into a goose to escape him, but Zeus just turned into a swan and raped her. And from that union, from time to time, you'll see that myth says that she actually became the mother of either just Helen or Helen and Clytemnestra and Castor and Pollux. Um, Sometimes she's thought to just be the uh, mother of Helen and Pollux because they're the more like divine. They're said to have divine births while Clytemnestra and Castor are purely mortal because they're like children of Leda and Tindarius, two people we will talk about much later, but that is like just the basic idea behind them. Um, But yeah, so that's pretty much all there is to Nemesis. Then we also have the Fates. So the Fates are named Clotho, Laquessis, and Atropos. Um, Those are just names to know. They're known as the Fates, Moirai, Parcai, depending on whether you're Greek or Roman. And so the Fates were a big deal. Uh, It was so greek myth had a really big like stance on the fact that your fate was set and that was the whole thing in myth is that everyone's every mortal's fate is set there is some string of like life which clotho spun from like a spindle there is some uh measurement made by lachesis that is like okay they will last this long And, you know, it has its own path and story. And then Atropos, considered the most feared, cuts the string. So Atropos, like, makes the final cut and is like, this is the fate. And a big thing in myth is, like, even knowing your fate isn't enough, you will always end up in it. Um, You always end up, like, following that path, and you will not be able to avoid it. So that's kind of, like, a very, like, natural thing to have occurred early on, um, if you think about it. But also it's just a very scary thing and is, like shows like also how ancient they are because these are produced like before any of the gods are. Um, so yeah, then we have Nyx and Erebus. So incest will be a very common theme because when you think about it, when you're first starting off a world, there are not exactly many people to choose from. Um, so production, I guess, unless you do like Suis but even then only Uh, Women can do that. You will not exactly produce many people. So you have Nyx and Erebus. And it's weird because... So they produce um, two kids named Aether. Or like Aether, which is like light. Which is odd because, you know, Nyx or Nukes. And like Erebus being darkness. Nukes being night. And they also produce another daughter named Hemera. Which is day. Again, a weird contrast with night. Um, And then Charon. So the ferryman of the underworld... He's supposed to be super ugly, apparently. I know Virgil, uh, book 6, has this, like, super nasty description of him. Just apparently just very ugly. I don't know why that mattered so much, but he's very ugly. Um, and he demanded, like, a silver oval, which is why there's, like, a good practice that you put a coin in, like, the dead's mouth when you bury them, because they need to be able to pay the, like, I don't know, I guess fee to go across the... Uh, River Styx or Acheron. It really just depends on your version. But yeah. So Charon has been there early on because it used to be just Tartarus. Um, it used to be just straight to Tartarus. You would go, um, and he was—he would ferry you there. So then you have... So then a little uh, thing to side note is Nix and Hemera would actually rotate from Tartarus as night and day do for us. So like... Uh, as Hamera comes to Tartarus, Nyx goes out to like the mortal realm, and vice versa. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything on that family. Then you have Tartarus. So Tartarus is a bit complicated to think about, especially if you have some preconceived notions of how Greek myth work and if you have a certain layout in mind. So Tartarus is the entire lower realm. Like the entire like what we now think of as like the underworld versus Tartarus and like that entire space is Tartarus. Tartarus eventually, like the name, gets uh like assigned to specifically um the like what we would equiv what we would make equivalent to hell, like that torture and like just terrible heinous place But that's not really what Tartarus is at the beginning. And again, they are two different things. Um, So Tartarus is thought to be like your permanent abode of souls is the way one of the books put it. It is just like that is where all the souls went. It's really interesting because uh, how the soul like I guess process worked. It, It seems like something revamped and I don't know what the logic was or why this was a thing but so to get to Tartarus um you would you first like pass through this like bronze fence reinforced like I don't know is it thrice by like circlets of darkness whatever that means so that's where Erebus comes in again and so he embodies this whole space and like it seems to have some spiritually like physical sense uh you would just get like beaten up by darkness for a year So for like a year after passing the gates, you would just get beat um, before reaching like the floor of Tartarus. It's really weird. I don't know what the idea was because when you like think about it, it's just like, where is the, like, did all souls just like it was dying, like a wrong thing, you know, like that seems rather odd. Um, But I could not find any explanation for that. So take it as you will. There's also this whole fun little just fun fact is that like, so I guess currently in what we're talking about olympus does not exist but um this concept holds and i probably won't talk about it again is if you had like an anvil falling from olympus it takes nine days to get to earth and then another nine days from earth to tartarus to give you an idea of just how deep and like you know far it is um that's quite the distance uh to be like completely honest because an anvil's terminal velocity probably is quite the value and Nine days is a lot of time. Um, But either way, yeah, that's just a little, like, fun fact. But yeah, Tartarus is, like, a weird little concept to think about. Because it's, like, Hades and this whole, you know, new underworld that we seem to all be more familiar with is quite, like, the turn from what this uh, beginning, more, like, primal, um, ancient, like, underworld is. So who are Tartarus's kids, right? Uh, that's an, always a big thing because there's a ton of connections just by knowing parents and children, and it adds up in a lot of ways. So with Gaia, he's said to have father Typhon slash Typhoius. Either one works. Um, fun fact about Typhon slash Typhoius is he's sometimes said to be born by Hera, actually, sui sponte. So like, She did it on her own in reaction to Zeus's birthing of Athena. Um, I guess I can talk about it. I'll talk about it again later is that Zeus um, fathered Athena upon this woman named Metis whose name means like wisdom. So now you really wonder how much of a person was she really. But anyways, um, he ends up like finding out through some prophecy that whichever second kid she'll bear um, will overthrow him. So he's like, nope. And he turns her into like a fly or um, something like that. Some insect, some like flying insect and like swallows her. I, again, I'll have actual information when I do this episode. Uh, and then birds Athena from his head. So Hera is thought to have, in some versions, to have born Typhon in like reaction to this. So, yeah, so he produces Typhon um, and that's pretty much where like Tartarus's kids kind of end uh although about to go into Typhon and who he is and who he fathers um sometimes Tartarus is thought to have mated and fathered uh the person Typhon uh fathers a bunch of children with so Typhon slash Typhoias um who is he so, he is kind of made equivalent to the Egyptian god Set. If you've read, like, Rick Riordan's Egyptian myth books, or you just know Egyptian mythology, you'll understand what that uh, connection means. It's really just, like, this, like, evil god with a bunch of destruction, but uh, I, I don't know too much about Set in terms of Egyptian myth and uh, his permanence and presence, but Typhon only lasts a certain amount of time. There's a big fight that will end up happening between, um, the gods and Typhon, and that's, like, it. So, let's talk about Typhon. So, Typhon has a pretty unique description that is, like, good to know. Um, so, he's human up until the waist. Uh, so, from, like, head to waist, he is human. Um, although a bit questionable, so, like, on his shoulders, he has, like, a 100-headed vipers that are, like, constantly darting out. So not exactly the most human. Um, from waist down, he has these huge vipers that are apparently long enough to reach, like, the heavens. So those have to be, like, extremely long if we just talked about, you know, the whole anvil and how far it has to fall. Um, so he has, like, these massive vipers that apparently just make up his, like, bottom half. I guess you can kind of think of it as, like, uh, a serpent's like a lower half of like a serpent kind of like how we render what do like the gorgons kind of look like and yeah so he's super powerful that was like the big thing to take away from this like it took all the gods to beat him so his treading like just him walking would topple mountains and crush them um his head just uh apparently he's just constantly shaking his head in anger i don't know if he's just fed up with like the government or like what but he's just constantly just shaking his head apparently and it would brush clouds and stars away so a big thing in like myth um that you'll see every now and then is like stars are not like they don't have the same concept that we do of what like stars are um i mean i guess that's should be kind of obvious because how would they conceive such a thing um with like so little tech but uh so they like their stars were thought to be like something you could like, phys- like that were pretty tangible in terms of like being interacted with and they were like on earth and they would rotate through the sky and go into the water and stuff so that's why that makes sense to them and his eyes and mouth would breathe out fire like his eyes that's just weird um although i guess i have a friend who can like breathe air through his like eye so i don't really know how that works um but yeah the big thing is that is, fire said so it can melt even, like, the stone of, like, Mon- Mount Asa. That's just a, like, mountain. Um, it has relevance in other stories, but I think the whole... The big the big point I think the person writing it was trying to get is it can melt, like, pretty much anything. So, Typhon with Echidna. Um, she's the daughter of Chrysaor, son of Medusa. And Calaroi, a daughter of Oceanus and Tethys, so an Oceanid. Um... Or, in other versions, Echidna is also said to be the daughter of Styx and Peras, just like a person. Or, Tartarus and Gaia. Um, So, yeah. So, Echidna can pretty much be a lot of people's children. Uh, Could also just be Typhon's sister, depending on your version. But, so they father a bunch of monsters. And they're all pretty critical, really well-known, so, like, this is something to keep in mind. So, he fathers Cerberus, so the three-headed guard dog. Um, mostly thought to be in front of the gates to Tartarus, more so than anything else. So this isn't some dog that like Hades brought in. This was a dog that was there, like from the get-go. Um, the Chimera. We'll talk about the Chimera more in the um, Bellerophon story, uh, but the basic idea is, is the Chimera is like this fire-breathing monster that is made of three different animals. The front part is a uh lion the middle is like a goat and the back ends like a dragon um so yeah pretty interesting then we have the lernaean hydra uh sec- heracles's second labor so we'll just talk about it there then a man lion the super invulnerable lion that was heracles's first labor we have Orthrus, this two-headed herding dog for Geryon, who is this cattle herder for apollo that we'll also talk about in heracles's adventures and he's also a son of chrysaor actually um the Sphinx, so like that Theban Sphinx that has the super famous riddle uh, that Oedipus ends up solving, uh, and the Eagle of Prometheus. So this story, I don't know when I will address it, probably post-Titanamaki. Um it is just like this eagle that tears at uh, Prometheus's liver I don't know if it's every day and regenerates at night, or every night and regenerates during the day. But the whole thing is, it's like an internal tormentor of Prometheus. But that list alone should give you a really good idea of like how involved all these children of uh, Typhon and Echidna are, and also just like how like these are the big monsters that get produced, and this is like their stories, or this is like their parentage, and so it gives you an idea of how ancient they are too. So finally, with Gaia, he fathered uh, the dragon at Colchis. We'll talk about it in Jason's uh, quite uh, extensive mini series because Jason will be one of the heroes we focus on. And because he's so deeply involved in the Argonaut story as the captain of the Argonauts, there will be a lot of episodes, but you, we will eventually talk about this dragon. But you can see he's like this producer of monsters, um, just as he is thought to be like the ultimate monster the gods faced at any point in time so yeah that is pretty much everything that I have for this episode I didn't want them to be too long so I tried to like do only part of the um, primeval deities and primordial deities that we need to talk about so yeah so the basic takeaway that you should get from today's episode um besides like you know maybe you need to pause and if if you're taking notes like writing down everything and like okay this is this this is this um you should also be noting like okay you have the more con- conceptual uh beings are what we are having uh get produced by all these ancient deities there's not really a bunch of concrete figures until you have like Typhon and Echidna and who do they produce in Typhon and Gaia Um, But you should see that, like, okay, most of these are just, like, concepts, and then eventually we get a bunch of the big monsters. Um, And, yeah, and just knowing these connections, like, these descriptions that I'm providing are just to kind of give you a better idea of who they are, or what they are, maybe. And uh, just, like, little tidbits that you would encounter if you were to read all the original sources. But at least if you're, like, you know, doing competition and stuff, then you more so want to read along um, the, like, okay, I'm hearing names, make connections, because you want to connect, like, who is the child of whom, um, and so forth, because those should give you a better idea of when you encounter certain stories, um, as we'll see later on, you're like, oh, okay, like, you know, Perseus is the one who kills Medusa, and Chrysler springs from her blood, and so now you have all these, like, really ancient, Um, characters get produced in some regards so now you're wondering like how does this timeline fit right and that that will be kind of a mess to think about because timelines in mythology are really just not a nice thing to try organizing at least to like extreme detail Uh, but just getting names and putting people together already makes things like way clearer I think and should make it a bit more fun of like a puzzle of putting together and maybe realizing why is someone in x location or why is there some motivation here so yeah um that's pretty much everything you can just listen to this again obviously if you need to catch names and stuff um i guess you can leave comments as well or like shoot me an email i think if my email is being displayed of like please do this or please don't do this or maybe you all want like the little outlines i've written for all this stuff and i can just put it up and you can just read and be like okay like this is what he had written out so yeah uh i hope to see you next time for episode three in there i will be talking about gaia and all her children which will be such a long episode i really apologize in advance gaia is very influenced as gaia is our mother earth so there is so much that we will have to talk about there um, and then also, we'll talk about Eros for a bit and discuss why Eros is such a primeval and primordial deity. So, thanks a lot, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Take care.